Yemula, you're listening to Karukerama Ivi, Karukerama, the English version. This podcast talks about the representation of the Caribbean in cinema and television. You can check out my website, info. I'm your host, Patra M, and this is episode 3, part 3. I hope you guys had a fabulous week. Today we're talking about the short movie No Soka No Life. It's a movie from Trinidad and Tobago. It was directed by Kevin Adams and released in 2012. You can stream it on Studio TV. And if you haven't watched it yet, here's the plot. No Soka No Life tells the story of Olivia, a teenage girl from an impoverished community with a fabulous singing voice in the church choir. When she decides to use her voice to sing soca, however, Olivia must face many hurdles, not least of all, a stiff opposition from her mother. Previously, I talked about how this movie shows that soca is a music genre. It's a full music genre. It's not just about carnival. It's not just about partying hard. It's a form of art that requires discipline and it isn't that easy to create. Soka is also about women empowerment, about women standing up for themselves, about women not being ashamed to be loud and sexy. Now I want to talk about how No Soka No Life is an example of how music helps build a strong sense of Caribbean identity on the international music scene. It's time for another Caribbean connection. The Caribbean Connection segment is to discuss how a movie makes me reflect on my identity as a black woman, as an Afro-Caribbean woman, and where I stand in this world. I want to start by making a confession. Yes, another one. Honestly, I grew up without knowing Soka was born in Trinidad and Tobago. I mean, there was no internet in the early 90s, there was no YouTube, so we relied only on the radio and on TV to get info about the trendy songs you'd hear in the club and in weddings and in parties. In Guadeloupe, we listened to everything. Most of the radio stations still have their reggae hour, their compa hour, and Sunday afternoons. It's all about merengue and salsa and a bit of mambo, as well as our old school music. The Zook from the 80s, the Bolero songs from the 60s. Anyway, back to my confession. I've heard soca my entire life. I knew soca artists from Trinidad and Tobago like Marshall Montano, but really the biggest hits 
I remember growing up were from Caribbean artists who were not from Trinidad and Tobago. Like Charles D. Lewis, back in 1990, he had a song called Soca Dance, and it was a summer hit in France and in Europe, and is actually from Barbados. There's also the Queen of Soca, Alison Hines, and her Polidka, Polidka. And yeah, she's from Barbados too. There's also Kevin Little and his song Turn Me On that took Europe by storm in 2004. Kevin Little is from St. Vincent. And just this year in 2019, Mr. Killer and his song Run With It were everywhere during the carnival during the first semester of 2019. And Mr. Killer even won the International Soccer Monarch with this song and it was the first time uh, an artist from Grenada won this title. So what I'm trying to say here is that soca has been a part of our lives for so long that artists from other Caribbean islands can now produce big soca hits. So yeah, no soca no life can inspire any Caribbean girl. And it reminds me of this novel that I read earlier this year. It's called Musical Youth by Joanne C. Hillhouse. It takes place in Antigua and Barbuda, and the main character, Zahara, is a quiet teenage girl who is a huge fan of Claudette Peters, who is a soca singer from Antigua. Soca and this movie can inspire any young Caribbean girl. But more importantly, this movie tells the world that Soca is from Trinidad and Tobago. You see, many music genres were born in the Caribbean or were created by people from the Caribbean diaspora. And for some reason, it's harder for some genres to get international recognition until some white artists pick it up and act like they invented it. I mean, international pop culture knows that reggae is from Jamaica. It knows that salsa and mambo are from Cuba. Yet, other genres like dancehall and zouk really struggle to be known as Caribbean music. So I won't get into Zouk because it's just another dynamic for Guadeloupe and Martinique. I'll just focus on Dancehall, which is now also known as Tropical House, just because songs like Sorry by Justin Bieber and Shape of You by Ed Sheeran got very well known. And I mean, their music videos have billion views, on YouTube when their songs are basically what any Jamaican dancehall artist can do. I remember back in the early 2000s when Jamaican dancehall was everywhere on the US musical scene. Of course it started earlier in the previous decade with artists like Patra, Shaggy, Diana King, Shabaranks and because they crossed over 
And then you had Beanie Man and Sean Paul who took over from the mid-90s until 2004-2005. And I just remember how much hype the music video of King of the Dance Hall by Beanie Man got played like twice an hour on BT. Same goes for Give Me the Light and Light and like glue by Sean Paul. You know, back in the day, I used to read B2K fan fictions, and you know, there was always the party chapter. And every time there was at least one Sean Paul song playing during the party, and you got the characters whining and having fun. And of course, let's not forget Elephant Man who got everybody doing the easy dance moves and in Europe Mr. Vegas and his song pull up was huge. Y'all remember in 2001 when Save the Last Dance was released there was this first club scene and it was with I mean it opens with the song Murder She Wrote by Shaka Demis and the Players and you see Kerry Washington whining with uh, with her ex-boyfriend. And I mean, dancehall is part of American culture now. And yet, not that much Jamaican artists get the recognition that the music genre should have created by now. Because it's been like 30 years now. So around 2005-2006, reggaeton took over and it's like no one cared about dancehall anymore until some DJs used some dancehall beats and mixed it all up and called it Tropical House so white artists could release dancehall songs. And I'd be fine with it if Caribbean dancehall artists got the same recognition and opportunities and if they were also at the top of the charts. But that's not the case. And right now, teenagers all around the world get introduced to themselves through this mainstream white artist like Major Lazer. And they don't know, they don't get to know the music through those who help keeping the genre alive. They don't get to know the history. They don't get to know those who are writing this history. That's why Rihanna's performance at the VMAs in 2016 is so important for Caribbean culture because in four minutes she she told the world that yes she is one of the biggest pop stars right now but she never forgets that she's from the caribbean no other caribbean artist has the platform that she has right now and even if this album gets released five years or ten years from now it really doesn't matter why because at the end of the day rihanna got people talking about this album this caribbean album for years now so she got people looking out for our culture one way or another and that's why we love rihanna so i used dancehall like as an example of how the international pop culture 
can quickly whitewash or even erase Caribbean roots. And like I said earlier, it's not just Bensol. The Caribbean roots of Zouk are also ignored in France and in Europe. A couple of months ago, French DJ Hervé Pages released the single Spicy featuring Diplo and Charlie XCX. The media play around it was all about how the song is based on a sample of the song Wannabe by Spice Girls, a famous British girl band from the 90s. There's actually a second sample used in Spicy. The melody played by the guitar is from the song Lunidou by Victor O, who is a singer from Martinique. The composer, Joël Jacoulet, is mentioned absolutely nowhere in the media play about Spicy, to the point that many people thought Hervé Pages and Diplo plagiarized Vindou, although Joël Jacoulet was indeed contacted beforehand and it gave them the green light to use his melody. And yet, no article talked about it. Anyway, my whole point here is to say that Nosokano Life is about celebrating the artistic creativity in the Caribbean from our Caribbean point of view. Soka can definitely become the next big music trend if our carnivals keep getting hyped up by US artists and European artists. That's why it's even more important to remind people that Soka is from Trinidad and Tobago. I don't know if Queen of Soka will keep going with this Caribbean culture celebration narrative, but No Soka No Life is already a solid way to introduce Soka to the international mainstream audience. No Soka No Life is about being proud of our Caribbean identity by taking back control of our narrative on the international scene. It's time for the final segment, Caribbean Soundtrack. In the next episode, we'll talk about three Soka songs and what they mean to me. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carukiramon. Don't hesitate to share your thoughts about the episode. You can also check out my website, carukiramon.com, where you can find all the info about the episode. See you next week. Tiens, Bered.